0: Alright motherfuckers, this podcast is now three days overdue and I have no more time than I did when it wasn't. Are you ready for the loosest edit of all time? Fuck yeah you are, let's go. Just as soon as Oscar gets me unstuck from the ship's vacuum toilet.
1: Welcome back aboard Beef Station. Join us as we rocket through the stars at the speed of sound. I'm Oscar. Andrew. Let's get stuck into it. What did we watch this week, boy? We watched Green Book. Book! Green Book. Uh, Interestingly, uh, Green Book's been nominated for a whole bunch of Oscars and awards recently. Mm, Including Best Picture? Yeah, I think so. And I think it just came away with the Best Comedy Slash Musical Picture at the Golden Globes.
0: Fuck, really?
1: Yeah, so it's kind of a hot favourite for the Oscars. Mm. So interesting to see how it performs when the Oscars are announced in a few weeks. Why are
0: you referring to yourself in plural
1: third person? (laughs) Uh, yeah, so this—that's that, a classic joke with a fresh twist. <laughs> so that's the f- film we're doing this week. I yeah, we're gonna just as a as a
0: another peek behind the curtain. We're gonna move to probably doing one film a week. We um, say that every now that I don't know, like if we've seen two movies, I don't want to commit to doing one. But, like, I don't want to no. commit to doing two. It will probably mostly be one.
1: <laughs> well, we sort but of realised like.
0: no promises. Yeah, we sort of
1: realised like, man, a lot of these episodes are about half an hour too long, and it takes about half an hour to discuss a film. There's a very, very yeah. simple solution Wait to this a problem. second. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we'll see, see how we go. Um, what did you think of the film, first of all?
0: So. I had a change, like I had a slowly changing perspective on this film. I initially came out of it thinking like, oh yeah, that was, that was pretty good. Yeah, me too. And then the more that I kind of thought about it, the more that I've cooled down on it. And I think it was like, um, it's, uh, it's initial impression is very strong. It's a feel good movie. Um, so we should probably talk about
1: we should probably d- <laughs> what tra- it's about. probably describe the movie even at all first yeah, so, so let's let's
0: go let's go through objectively with the context yeah. and then we can talk about why it might have like been a been a bit of a cooling off period of this film yeah cool. so it's so it's set
1: in it's so it's set in 1962 yep. it's based on um real life people being Don Shirley who is apparently like a famous jazz pop kind of pianist back in the day and then his driver Miss Daisy Tony His driver Tony Lip um, Frank Vallelonga Who was In real life A bloke who was hired To drive Don Shirley On a tour Down through the southern states Of the US His name's Tony Vallelonga Right? Yeah. Why'd you say Frank Vallelonga? No his name's Frank And Tony's his middle name Or something I don't know It's the most Italian ass shit ever, Man, <laughs> he's <laughs> Tony Lip Frank Vallelonga That's my yeah. full name his yeah. name's Frank Anthony Vallelonga Senior, better known as Tony Lip, because yeah. I'm because I'm I'm good at bullshit people to, to do what they don't wanna hey, do. I can do that voice. <laughs> you can't do that voice. Um, so Viggo Mortensen stars as Tony Lip, the sort of street smart, most Italian ass man you've ever met. Yeah, uh, works as like a nightclub bouncer. And in the two years over Christmas, when this nightclub's closed for repairs or whatever, it's not important, um, he gets a job. He gets a summer job driving this dude. So, driving this, importantly, black guy, uh, Don Shirley's this, like, black jazz piano player, through states like Mississippi and Kentucky yep. and Alabama and yep. all that shit.
0: And this is loosely based on, or in I- even even so far as inspired by, yeah, a true story.
1: Yeah. Um, so, I, th- I think I I think think in real life, these people had some some degree of relationship. I haven't properly researched whether they did or not. I think, like, recently, publicly, his brother came out and said, like, no, nah, the movie says, like... Uh, the, p- the piano player's brother came out and said, like, oh, look, the movie says that my brother and this driver were, like, best mates. Nah, they were, like, employee-employer.
0: Suffice it to say there's a lot of artistic license being used.
1: Conversely, here. this movie is actually written by the son of the driver guy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um
1: so like so it looks like there's some discrepancy yeah. between the families, yeah. Whatever. All in all though, I think the story's based on truth isn't necessarily as important as um or oh, it 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 sort of takes a bit of dramatic flair with the whole film anyway. So yeah. I feel like it's not no, no one at least that I know has probably heard of this Don Shirley dude. So, I don't think that's like the main draw card of the movie. I think the story will be just as appealing if I'd never even heard of these people. Yeah, no, you don't all. need to have. Yeah. Yeah. It's a comedy, I would say. It's, it's quite, quite funny. Or, or like a, dra- a drama with funny bits in. We were a dramedy. Be- yeah, we were talking before about like... How many jokes is a drama allowed to have <laughs> yeah, before it's a, officially a comedy? How many jokes may a drama have before you can call oh, gonna, it a comedy? Yeah, you're, you're going to completely, completely follow through <laughs> on that. Yeah, come <laughs> on, great. Um, Mahashala Ali plays Don Shirley, the piano player. Linda Cardellini from Freaks and Geeks plays okay, so <laughs> Mortensen's uh, wife in the film.
0: I was I was I saw this film with my partner and I was trying to like. Talked to her about it. And I was struggling with where I had seen Linda Cardellini from. Freaks and Geeks. No, never seen it. It's great, man. Right, Sure. But the only... Because uh, she actually has a um, very extensive film history. But I felt like, uh, for some reason, I just couldn't quite like lock down where I knew her very well from. <laughs> and I think it really boiled down... To her performance of oh Velma in the two thousand and one live action <laughs> scooby doo film, <laughs> which I reckon i 've seen ten to fifteen times gee, all oh right, <laughs> child care right no <laughs> no, my childhood wow man yeah, i 've watched this a lot. But it's weird <laughs> because I didn't recognize her immediately as being from that. I just felt like I knew her really well. She was like, y- you know when like someone's face is very familiar to you? Yeah. And so I was like, oh, no, it can't be that. She must have been in something else. She's done a shitload of stuff. She was in ER for six years. She was in
1: Bloodline. Yeah, I mean, Freaks and Geeks, as I've you said. I've literally just seen her in Freaks. She's so good in Freaks and Geeks. She's in
0: Mad Men for like three years. Um, she was a- she's been in Avengers Age of Ultron. Lots and lots and lots of stuff. Right. I have she's barely this- seen any of the stuff I just listed. Yeah.
1: I think she was pretty good in this, despite the fact she's barely. Oh in yeah, this. she was, she was great. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: She's a very good actor, but yeah. like, I for some reason, her as Velma is burned into my seven and eight year old brain Right-o. indelibly. And so, <laughs> like, I, yeah, I was just like, no, I I've seen her in so much stuff. I I you know when you. Like, you know, when you have this positive association between someone's face and a performance that they did, where you yeah. loved that movie so much that they are like immediately warming to your.
1: Like, she of- is Velma now. But it oh, wasn't no, right. Velma
0: for me, it was just like, I was just seeing her and I was like, oh man, I love that other thing that she did, I just can't quite <laughs> remember what it is <laughs> at this point in time. And fuck, it must have been <laughs> it must, have it been must that, have been the Scooby-Doo thing, cause I man. haven't seen many other films. so uh, oh, She was in Brokeback Mountain as well, which is like the only other thing that I think I've seen her in.
1: So like, Scooby-Doo is the movie that taught you how to feel real Felix.
0: <laughs> yeah or just like I don't know There's, she's, she's, got, she's got a very distinctive smile and at points when she smiled in this film it did remind me of Velma but the rest of her performance is not like reminiscent of it in any way so yeah. like I don't know oh, weird man anyway she's, Linda Cardellini <laughs>
1: the, the fact that we were talking about Linda Cardellini for the better part of three minutes she's barely in this film <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: like, yeah. Yeah. And she certainly gets, like, no character development or anything. No, no. So, yeah. um,
1: so this film won the best screenplay at the Golden Globes as well. Which, and I mean, I think I'll sort of come out right out front and say it and say this film feels like a very Oscar-baity kind yeah. of film in that it's very much like, oh, look, uh even though the whole world's racist, we found a one white guy with a heart of gold yeah. that can see past that and love the the black guy yeah. for who and he it, really is. And it's
0: about the um, it's a redemption story about a white dude who starts off racist, yeah, and then becomes not racist and is celebrated for becoming yeah. not a racist. Well, it's
1: like an odd couple kind of culture clashy kind of film yeah. where like uh, the uptight snobby academic literary type dude is taught how to unwind and sort of lay back and be a bit cooler by his street-smart, dumb uh, kind of accomplice. And I haven't and so, seen
0: Driving Miss Daisy, but this is like a, you know, there's there's comparisons being constantly drawn, and I think that what this I, does is- I,
1: literally, I haven't seen Driving Miss Daisy, but I doubt that the stories are similar in any way. I'm convinced, not knowing anything about Driving Miss Daisy, I'm convinced <laughs> that's just some hack go-to fucking comparison, because it's like, oh, well, there's a white person and a black person, and one of them's a driver- and, and it's about I, I racism point,
0: Yeah, but I mean You've summarized like Most of the core point of this movie right, okay, fine So like, I think Just because they have the
1: same themes And setting, man <laughs> Doesn't
0: <laughs> And similar processes And character yeah. motivations And development I think what the, 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 the normal formula If I may refer to Driving Miss Daisy As a formula Look, if
1: Miss Daisy Wasn't a jazz piano player I don't want to hear it <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, I think the point is that normally the white person is the one being driven around and they're also the higher class person, right? And yeah. so, they have to learn that through exposure that actually, like, um, people from lower class and also people of color who experience race racism and, and, and race struggle and class struggle, you don't understand their plight And over the course of this film, you will learn to soften your hard exterior and be sympathetic to them. And so this movie, this 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 flips some of those things. Yeah. So having like
1: the lower working class type person be the white person that has to be sort of subservient to the the black guy. Yeah, exactly.
0: And so like it's 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 doing some of these things where they have a like they had a set of dice that had like black guy, driver, sympathetic, and like white guy, upper class or lower class or whatever, <laughs> and they just rolled them together and the combination that came up was this film instead yeah. of Driving Miss Daisy, you know? So, yeah. I, I think the thing that irritates me the most about it is... Um, so, we'll go into a little more of the, like, high, higher criticism of the film, which is, like, that yeah. it, it, it's very... It very clumsily navigates these issues of race. I and think I think that's probably fair. Yeah. It's
1: definitely an entertaining film. When but I was the thing f- that the,
0: the thing that drove me crazy about it is it, it, nothing about this movie was innovative in any way. Really, like the dialogue was pretty good. Had points where it was very hammy. The
1: performances yeah, yeah. were probably the strongest part the of it. The performances were great. I mean, Viggo Mortensen, despite the fact that his character is a bit of a stereotype, yeah. was really good in it. Like, he looks like this big fat Italian guy. That's Aragon. I mean, there's. And he y- looks like yeah. this fat Italian yeah. guy. He's he, d- great. he does
0: pretty good, and like, uh, Mahesh Ali is great, and Linda Cardellini is 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 <laughs> p- pretty great. But like, the rest of everyone is sort of unremarkable and doesn't get much screen time. It It, it mostly focuses on these two dudes, and they're. They're pretty good. I would also say that they were...
1: Pretty uh, one-dimensional. Yeah, very one-dimensional.
0: And so, its I wouldn't say that either of these... So, these these are both very strong actors, and I would not say that either of them were particularly strained doing these roles. They weren't challenged, as far as I understand. Or at least that's the way that it comes across to an audience, in my opinion. So, I think that what irritates me about this thing being... Um, nominated for a bunch of different shit, is that I don't think it was
1: doing any new work. I don't think it was doing anything particularly remarkable. No, it was definitely really entertaining in yeah. the same way as like you know we both used to work at a cinema in the same way as like there's lots of those <laughs> I don't know if that's ever been talked about have we <laughs> mentioned that before? <laughs> no probably not in the same way as, like those old people type movies that are just kind of they just give you this general I sensation I about
0: this when I walked out what's the Marigold Hotel fucking movie?
1: yeah the best exotic Marigold Hotel this
0: is that but for racism
1: well that, that that film's already kind of about racism because it's like these old these that. old white people. I mean it's fine, it's entertaining as well, but it's like it's fine. It's just entertaining and gives this general pleasant sensation. Yeah, it's and got it's an meant, all-star f- cast it's, of it's white people. it's meant for British everybody
0: people. that sees that movie to walk away feeling
1: good. Yeah, well, so regardless that film's, of who you are. That film's fun to watch as well. And it's it's fine, but like that's got a similar kind of thing where I think Judy Dench plays this like racist old white lady to all the Indians and like right. It, gets, it has similar kind of tones where like in a the most non-offensive way possible they sort of try and tackle these racist Racist issues that th- turns out, surprise, the white people were great all along. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like, that just happens several times in this It's, again, movie. this idea of, like,
0: celebrating someone for stopping doing the wrong thing instead of, like, yeah condemning it and... Critically examining why they were doing that thing in yeah. the first place, you know?
1: Yeah. I think it's interesting to talk about the performances of the film when the performance is good, but the script is sort of not remarkable at all. Yeah. Because I th- think the were- performance can be fantastic and seems and is even more enhanced by a great script. Right. But when you get a film like this, well, I don't think the screenplay was particularly remarkable no there were a couple of really good beats but well vigorous is nominated for a best best actor oscar for this and it's hard for me to rationalize in my head whether he deserves it or not because i think his character was such a stereotype and so kind of yeah i mean it was an interesting fine entertaining character but i don't think it would had much substance to it in the same way as i think you should have to work harder to get best actor
0: yeah, well, you know, I, I mean d- that's a brutal statement, and I'm sure that he worked extremely hard in this film. but yeah. I think that you know people in Black Klansmen worked harder. Yeah, like
1: uh, well, yeah, I mean if if I had to choose between the uh, the other actors on this li- best lead actor Oscars nominations out of the films I'd seen, I'd probably go with either Remy Malek or Christian Bale. I think Christian Bale probably is probably Christian the Bale did top a better job. List. Absolutely, Remy Malik is another one where like his performance is great, but the script wasn't. The script wasn't particularly mm. amazing. Um, so I guess it's kind of I guess it's kind of hard to tell with these. You, there's several films on this list, like uh, A Star Is Born, as well. Where they just seem like entertaining kind of movies, yeah. In the in the way is like a, a a movie can just sort of just be just fine, but be a really entertaining kind of crowd pleasing film. The more that I think about the nominations that we went through, was it last episode that we did that? I, I don't so. remember. I think so. The more that
0: I think about those, the more that I am extremely disappointed with the range. There like, just seems like I, nothing I think, on there. I think there's, like, two or three movies. Like, Vice should definitely be in consideration. Yeah. Green Book should be... Sorry. Vi- Vice should definitely be in consideration. Black Klansman should be there. Roma, apparently, should be there as well, because a lot yeah. of people really love that film. Beyond that, like, there's a few, but there's, like, five or six movies sitting in a lot of these award categories that just have no right being there, yeah, I like, think.
1: Yeah, I haven't... Yeah. I haven't heard enough amazing artistic acclaim about... A star is born to warrant the fact that it has like a million nominations. Yeah, and the same thing with Green Book. I don't think Green Book really has any place. So I was actually watching this this
0: film for cinematographic stuff, right? Where like (laughs) I was looking for the um, for the pace of the editing, for the uh, like what camera angles were being used, if there was any visual motifs that kept recurring. There was nothing. This was the most vanilla ass made film. Yeah I've
1: ever seen It seems like it was it like, did like, like a, nothing It was like an old person Popcorn movie Yeah in the way, but, no, but I really While I was watching it I really enjoyed it I, I laughed at all the, I thought it was really funny I laughed at all the jokes mm. And A lot of the music Is right up my alley And I yeah. really enjoyed it There's this scene Where The piano player Plays this kind of Bluesy improv Jazzy music in a bar That was a great fun scene To watch and I was engaged and engrossed by it the whole time. That was the
0: point at which I was starting to doubt the film. I think because yeah. I realized I was like, "This is, like, this is whimsical. This isn't really engaging with any of the issues. Like, this dude. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that the more that you try to look at the bottom lines that this movie was trying to get to, yeah. the more that there's no substance and actually and think, like. like that that it it has, which we can get into, I guess, is that it's got some really problematic approaches to the way that it tries to interact with racism, with classism.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't think it's necessarily problematic in, like, a scandalous way. I think it's just, like, if the film's nominated for for all these, like, best screenplay, best picture-type awards, it just seems like the film... If I didn't know anything about what the awards were nominated for and you just asked me about, like, oh, what kind of film is this, it seems like it's a fine, entertaining... Kind of whimsical film, exactly yeah. like for old people to go and have like a tea and luncheon on a Sunday morning Fictional. or whatever. Um, so to then say that it's this highbrow, critically acclaimed, best arty picture, movie that's winning best picture for and best, pick- best screenplay, I think, oh well, total shit. At that point, I would want a film of that kind of caliber to be dealing with these racial issues on the same level as, uh, say, Black Klansmen did. Yeah, and when you look at
0: like something dealing like with it with some actual substance, say the fucking Revenant. Or, like, The Shape of Water, or whatever. Like, those films, those types of films, films that I think about when I think about the best pictures that have come out in recent times, or, like one of my go to examples. I think Birdman is one of the best films ever made.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I really liked that movie. You want your best and picture to be like best all around, where it has a great screenplay, great direction, great cinematography, yeah. and great performances. Best that all-rounder all around maybe to have
0: best picture, right? But I think it needs to also have something, because a lot of the films that, like, I think this probably had, I don't know, th- b- before we start delving into any of the issues that it actually has, and when yeah. you're looking at it from, like, kind of an uncritical lens from the perspective of, like, literary analysis of the themes, yeah, then I think this is, like, a strong seven to a light eight out of, a- a- almost across the board, you know? It's like... yeah. It's, it's between a 7 and an 8 out of 10 in a lot of different ways. I would say I enjoyed it at a 7 to an 8 out of 10. But, like, I don't think a Best Picture nominee should be a 7 to an 8 out of fucking 10.
1: should be a 10 out of 10. Yeah, the best exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't
0: think that's good enough. I don't think being an all-rounder is good enough unless you, you're an all-rounder that also has something that puts it a cut above every other all-rounder movie that gets made that you don't even think about twice ever again. You know? Yeah. And no, I feel like I this is absolutely in the category of, like, uh, if we weren't doing this podcast, I wouldn't probably have seen this movie. I probably um, would have only because I saw it on so many lists. Well, maybe. Yeah, you're right. It's, but, it's
1: nominated for Best Picture of the Year. I would have seen
0: it. But, but like, I don't think there's any reason why anyone should really... like. <laughs> I this, definitely
1: wouldn't be sitting down and talking with someone for an hour about it. Yeah, this movie's not doing
0: any work. Like <laughs> no. this. Yeah, uh, maybe this is the target audience. But honestly, I, I feel like the only people this is going to appeal to are middle-aged people who only want their beliefs... Confronted in a very soft and uh, uncritical way. Well, I don't
1: think it's the sort. Of, no, I think people can enjoy it. I enjoyed it. You you enjoyed it when you watched it. I just don't think it's the sort of film that you're not. You're not going to go and be like, oh man, it has great racial commentary in it.
0: Yeah, you know what I mean. But that, no then, one's. But no one's going to it.
1: But that's the entire subject matter of the whole fucking film. I feel like a film can have the right to be whimsical and fun and very surface level and have this as, like, subject matter. It I doesn't, think Black plansman like, was whimsical and fun.
0: Yeah. Like, in its own right, like, well, I think it was just poking much more insightful fun at something that it then also got very serious about. Yeah,
1: well, no, I just... I, disi- I don't I, know. I feel like the film, the whole point of the film was the fun relationship with these two people and it sort of had these racial themes as, like, background goings-on, if that makes sense. No, and I so do- I, I don't, like I don't f- necessarily agree with that. Well, it's sort of definitely- Follow your thought through. Yeah. So, I feel like a film can have the right to sort of just be this fun, whimsical comedy kind of thing that has racism as like a side theme without uh, having the needs to be like, right, well, you've got racism in the film. That has to be at the forefront of your film. You have to be serious and deal and grapple with that issue. I don't necessarily think that just because racism is a theme in the film, it's- it's necessarily like this valid complaint to be like this film is trash because it had racism in the film and didn't like deal with it and grapple with it as a core Concept, But I think you sense. would
0: struggle to find a scene in this movie that isn't about racism
1: without properly engaging with racism. I definitely agree that it doesn't do a very good job of engaging but with I racism. And I think I think we're more critical of it because it's nominated for all these awards. I yeah. think if it wasn't nominated for all these awards, in the same way, like, I didn't watch Best Marigold Hotel and be like, oh, oh, they really fucking brushed over the racism in that film, didn't they? Like, it's fun and it was an entertaining film. So, I don't think you can be like, the only people that are going to enjoy this film are like idiots who don't care about po- politics it's like well no that's the sort of film where like you're not watching it for that you're watching I, it because it's this fun comedy musical
0: I think this film, you know film is I mean.
1: explicitly
0: trying to engage with racism in and a doing meaningful a way and just doing an incredibly poor job
1: Right. It. Well, in the same way I don't think that people are going to go watch this because they want to watch a film about racism I think they're watching it because it's a funny comedy musical
0: it's literally named after a book that existed because people needed to know where was safe because they were of a certain race like yeah, but I don't f- think there's I, I don't think this film can get away with saying like we just wanted the racism sorry, to no. be an undertone and <laughs> right, like no, it wasn't sorry. really a part of the I film. Know it's about, like I'm it wasn't about a like, core
1: part. I'm talking about like, like from an audience perspective, like why people are gonna go see this. I don't think I people I think are- racism was one of the only parts of this film. No, yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree with you. That the director was trying I'm not being clear. I agree with you that the director like trying to make a film about racism and doing it poorly. All I mean is, from an audience perspective, people aren't going to go see this because they're like, "Oh boy, Peter Farrelly's finally tackling racism." And it's like, no, it looks like a fun comedy film with music in it. that people like, they, but, it's just and mm, it tack- That's why audiences are going to go see this. Audiences I aren't. I, going I just to go
0: have a problem with with the idea that this film has racism as background noise because I don't think it does have racism as background noise. I think the racism is the main core platform of the entire film and i think it's a very bad badly assembled no, I, platform. Agree with you.
1: I think it's poor. Pa- i think it's i think it's poorly done but in
0: terms of why people would go to see the film i i went to see this film because i knew it was about racial themes like i i i thought it would be better than it was but i don't i i think most people would go to see this film
1: because they know what it's about and it's about racism i think most people go to see this film because they like vigo mortensen the trailer makes it look funny, and it's got some great jazzy music in it. I don't. Like, I, I don't think so. Who's? Who's? <laughs> this is Oscar baiting. No one's. Like it's... No, one's, oh, no, I didn't like it at all. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, no one's liking. Um, I don't think people are going to go see this. Making lists of like the common themes of movies and being like, oh boy, that one's about racism i'll go see that like it looks like a fun film with a good cast and a great setting like that's that's the reason why most people gotta go see it so the fact that it you get and you get in there and you find that it depicts racism in a very poor heavy-handed kind of manner is like oh it's shitty but like that's not why people are gonna go see it people aren't like i want to go see a film that's a little bit about racism but not too much so green book looks perfect for me like
0: You know what I mean? No, but you get a vibe of what the subject matter is from the advertising around it, and you also get a vibe of the tone. And I think that people would have been attracted to the tone, but would have been aware that the centre plot point of the entire film (laughs) is that, like,
1: these people are grappling with racism. I I, I feel like this this whole argument stemmed from about five minutes ago when I cut you off. And I thought that, like, it sounded like you were saying... The sorts of people that would want to. The, the sorts of people that like this film are the sorts of people that don't want to be confronted when they watch films. And I just think that, like, not every film has to confront you, and some films can have just be fun. I think that the sorts of people that this film will
0: resound really well with, where they'll think that it did a really good job of engaging with the themes that it engaged with, are people who don't want to be confronted.
1: Okay, now that's fair. Yeah. Right. Like, I just- I,
0: So I think the people that come away from this film thinking that it dealt with racism well are going to be like middle-aged white people who have no understanding of the way that you confront your own racist ideals. You yeah, know? no, I, <laughs> I, agree, I agree with you there. Um, uh, in terms I of definitely enjoying think that, like, Black Klansmen... My, my enjoyment of it, because I think you're making a, a different point as yeah. well, which is that, like, people can enjoy the film without it needing to engage in a meaningful way with that. Yeah. I sort of agree in, in a way, but I also disagree in a way because <laughs> I, I feel like... Yeah, which is... Uh, always what i do um but i feel like uh, i my enjoyment of the film is a net sum of how much i enjoyed it walking out of there but also how much i enjoy it afterwards when i'm engaging in the discourse with it and now that i'm seeing a lot of people be highly critical of this film and it's making me think about it in a really different way yeah where like you know as soon as you chuck this out, and i did have the thought halfway through and i sort of I sort of parked it and thought, mm, I'll go back and look at this later of like how much it was dealing with white savior complex and Viggo Mortensen being this like archangel figure that comes in and swoops in and saves the day and is also congratulated for like not being a racist. Yeah. Um, I thought, mm, maybe this film isn't doing such a great job of it. And then the more that I have like, w- we can go into some reviews that, that do a much better job of analyzing this than we will. Like, yeah. The more that I engage with some of that stuff, the less I enjoy the film now. I agree with you because, because I think that on
1: the whole, the reason I enjoyed the film was the great comedy, the great performances, and the great music. Right. And a lot of the, I've read about three or four reviews from the New Yorker and the New York Times and all that sort of thing. Those highbrow kind of publications yeah. where they haven't really mentioned that at all. All they've talked about is this film is about racism. Here's a whole bunch of other films about racism that do the job a lot better. Right. This film was trash, and it's like, well, it wasn't. It was great. It was like a solid. Solid entertaining 7 out of 10 film. And most of all these reviews completely brush over all the appealing parts of the films to to focus on the one thematic point that it did poorly but I, I think it's unfair because i think, I think, think it you detracts have a net from the film as a whole if that makes sense but i think you have a net result at the end of the day
0: when you're doing a review where all of those factors have to coalesce into choosing a single outcome and i think choosing that single outcome they are not able to move past yeah and nor should nor do i think they should move past the fact that this film does a poor job of grappling with its core themes
1: i suppose as film critics that's the thing it, it, it reminds me a lot of like Films that have come out recently, like Bohemian Rhapsody, that mm. capture a certain feeling while you're watching them. And like Bohemian Rhapsody, ton of fun to watch. Mm. And it's really entertaining and engrossing, and you love every minute of it as you go. And then I went out and read some reviews, and I'm like, oh, that's a good point, that's a good point. And you sort of convince yourself yeah. it's a bad movie. But if I go back and watch it, I'd love it again. And I think similarly. But you're with this, also not wrong for well maybe you wouldn't love it again. I don't know, because now I, you have these yeah. new thoughts. And you're also not wrong for having those new perspectives, right? That's true. I just think it's <laughs> I just think it's a it's a strange position that I find myself in when I can what like I can like a movie completely and be entertained by it, and so the film has performed its role, it's entertained right. a whole cinema of people, and then I can then go out and be like, well, even though I enjoyed the movie completely, <laughs> I can then like convince myself that I didn't. If that makes sense. Mm. Or I can like convince myself it was a bad movie, but then the question is like, well if I was entertained by it, is it a bad movie? Surely like if the film if films are ultimately in existence to entertain.
0: I I think if you're coming back into it with new information that makes you understand the context and um, storyline of the film better, then it wasn't the fault of the film for not knowing that info. It was your fault. So you're going back in to a new viewing experience with uh, an educated perspective, and are then reappraising the film, and that's not that's because like this this sounds dumb, but viewing a film is the like the sum of the film and you, and so like what's changing there isn't the film, it's you, and that's also factoring into your enjoyment of the film, right? So, I, I, I think, I don't know, if I watch this film again, I think I wouldn't enjoy it as much and I also don't think I'd be wrong for that because it it really does do a poor job of a lot of stuff and I think that on second viewing and second consideration, I think it, it does a lot, it, it manages to cover its tracks the first time you watch it a lot about that and I think that it shouldn't be given credit for doing that, yeah you know? So I agree with you that there were parts that I really like. There were parts of the script that were actually genuinely funny and that I don't think would have been... I think if you displaced those funny moments into other scripts, they would work really well and they work well here as well but they don't, that doesn't negate the fact that it's dealing with its core issues poorly and it shouldn't, like, if I walk out of a film enjoying it because I didn't understand it completely and then I understand it completely and I go, oh, well, actually, that's not what I thought it was saying. I thought it was saying something else and now now I'm conflicted. I think that that's a more educated perspective and therefore kind of more correct, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah,
1: sure. I mean, I definitely, yeah, I don't know. Sure. (laughs) <laughs> so I,
0: I I think like I also walked out of it enjoying this film, but I would say I overestimated its worth quite significantly, and and sort of its its quality and and its its feeling because I almost feel like.
1: But at the same time, that means that at the time you were I was, at the time I was entertained by it and I thought Let's, it was fun.
0: I'll bring in this uh, just an alternate thought here. I think that if we had ever been people that had experienced racism our initial viewing of this probably would have been extremely different and i don't think we would have i don't think we would have given it the same credit yeah right no i definitely see what you mean there there would have
1: been moments where you watch them brush over a racist part of the film and and we might have been immediately like oh fuck this movie
0: or like when so when (laughs) when tony comes in and saves don for like the fifth time I imagine that a person of color might have been very frustrated by that. Yeah. Whereas for us, it was like, I don't know. I mean, I became a little frustrated by it. But
1: well, so I think that's like- interesting. So like, there's there's a key part of the film where, um, yeah, sure. So Tony is the white guy that has to sort of protect and drive this black guy through the southern states in the U.S. Yeah. He has this green book, which was a real motoring guide back in the day that Black Americans could buy, that would tell them, like, right, well, this hotel doesn't mind serving black people, this restaurant you'll be welcome at, and that kind of thing. You could buy green books, and so you could buy a motoring guides to be like, oh, this is the road trip between, I don't know, New York and Boston. Here's where whatever. to go to
0: not get beaten up or lynched or whatever, right, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, so, there's several parts of the film, by its very nature, where the piano player Don Shelley is having problems because he's in Alabama and people are being racist towards him. Like, yep. he goes into a suit shop and the clerk thinks that he's serving the white guy. And I, then when I, he finds out the suit's for the black guy, he's like, oh, get the fuck out. You can buy it, then, but you can't wear there was
0: it. A, yeah, and, and that was the idea that, like, um, and this is horrible, horrible shit. I just feel the need to identify <laughs> that, like, th- these are this is these are awful beliefs that were present at the time. Is that, like, people of color carried diseases that um, you wouldn't get unless you came into contact with them and so they, they that that was the reason why he could buy the suit but not try it on is because as soon as he tried it on they believed it was it like, like tainted unclean and, or something yeah, yeah. and yeah. it was horrible it shit was
1: fucked. so there's a little bit there's a lot of shit in here and so you get but you you get the general sense that Don Shirley despite being this upper class quite philosophical well read intelligent cultured guy somehow lacks agency and is almost sort of helpless mm. as they go along this road trip. Yeah, he's and he's grown up in a very sheltered life. But helpless in a very literal sense, where, like, he right. needs Tony to do things for him because he can't himself, because he's a black guy stuck in this, like, Jim Crow America. Yeah. And so I don't know how much of that can be put down to, like, not very fair depiction of characters or, like, writing this black guy that doesn't have any agency... Or, like, being like, well, no, that is how it would have been, kind of thing. Right. Because that's how the society forced him to
0: be. Yeah. Uh, But I think giving it the credit for saying, no, that's how it would have been, at points in the film, and then also at points in the film saying, You can say,
1: why why didn't you do this? Why didn't
0: you do that all the time? You know, because, um, uh, like, yeah, I don't know.
1: Well, they're and they're very sort of inconsistent ways that depicts. So I've got yeah. an article here from Vox where they review the film, um, and they talk about the idea that um, it's just a very uneven depiction of racism on the part of all the characters. And I'll yeah. just read straight from this article here. Who's they it say. By? This is an article by Alyssa Wilkinson. She writes, And indeed, Green Book's depiction of racism is uneven at best. In an early scene, for instance, Tony throws away two drinking glasses that the black construction workers used in his kitchen, suggesting that he draws a hard line about even coming to contact with black people. Um, But a movie like this needs a likable hero, and after that moment, Tony doesn't engage in any such blatantly offensive racist behavior for the rest of the film. And, um, like, him chucking out the glasses is, is a,
0: an example of what I was talking about, where people believed that they were dirtied and yeah. you couldn't clean them now. But then he like is a the one later, who he immedi-
1: it, the suit thing, right? Yeah, And he's we'll like, see, it's ridiculous that I you mean, would So, that's, like, weeks later boys. into his employment with Don. I sort of believe he'd had a bit of a turnaround there. But this is, like, right at the beginning of the film, he's, like, throwing away cutlery and glassware and shit mm-hmm. that black people have touched in his house. And then, like... In the in the film, a couple days later, he accepts to be like the employee and spend two months in the same car with this black guy that he apparently doesn't even. He's apparently like afraid of touching. But also, and he's like completely not racist. Then after that, so this problem, weird. The turn problem where is
0: not that transformation. The problem is that that transformation isn't shown in the film. What happens way he, too early.
1: But he's never. The the
0: problem is that this this movie doesn't confront the journey of that process at all his character no, development is in present he just all of a sudden doesn't Besides have those beliefs racist. anymore and is the good guy yeah and and i think the problem is that there's no reason why he should do that other than for it to function as a kind of redemption story or right whatever. And, and a character lever where people can go Phew, okay glad yeah. he's not glad he's
1: not racist <laughs> but, anymore you yeah know? exactly but you don't see any re- like even the fact that he like almost without hesitation like Accepts the job with the job with this black guy. You'd expect him to hate because he wouldn't even touch the same glass drinking glasses. Mm. Um, yeah, you, you don't really. He doesn't really get any motivation for his change. And even no, after and he's accepted he, the, and the he's job, never he's never criticised
0: sh- for his beliefs originally either. No, which I think is another big criticism that I read some some stuff about. Well,
1: I mean, I would be fine with a character not being criticised because if you're stuck in this culture, I think it might almost be more interesting to see the white character come to his own sort of self-realisation.
0: But that and is sort in a, of almost that, what happens. That is what I'm what I'm talking about when I say criticised. I mean the film oh, sorry, criticizing. No, you, did,
1: you don't literally mean someone's like,
0: "Hey, Tony, why are you racist?" No, yeah, no. <laughs> I mean exactly the opposite of that. I don't know. I like, just don't
1: like it. Where the
0: film is is shown to like. I think the film does have to in some way ally itself, and I think that this film never never shows condemnation for. Tony's racist perspectives Yeah uh, It shows condemnation For other people's Racist perspectives Once we've established well, Tony barely has
1: Any racist perspectives Exactly
0: But it's clear That they are so strongly Established in the opening scene With the glasses That They, they, they are Undeniably present And then yeah. they are Sort of Very Questionably absent And in, in, in With no Transition period You know yeah, and I think that's one of the major issues that the that the film has is like this complete lack of a meaningful transformation in favor of like um, someone almost learning a new fact without learning that fact. Yeah, and well, there's no question of like why did you think that was true, or like did you do you consider have you considered how much that impacts on the people of color that you interact with, like? Well, I mean, there's there's definitely there's are you a- confronting the culture and the context
1: around you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of scenes where, like, Tony, like, for example, Tony plays, and this sort of comes down to, like, the characters sort of being a bit one-dimensional as well. Um, so, Tony is, like, listening to the radio and talking about when, like, little Richard is playing or Aretha yeah. Franklin or and Sam Cooke. And he's like, Cook. these are your people. And he's like, these are your people. Don, well, how have you not heard of Aretha Franklin and Sam yeah. Cooke? Come on. How do you not no about your culture and he sort of makes comments like that I mean talk about like fucking fried chicken or something and about how Don says he's never eaten it and there's a mm. couple more comments like that where Don does crack the shits and he's like oh come on Tony like think about what you're saying like it's not yeah. but then it definitely like does come maybe a bit too but it's late. very
0: friendly and hammy and like one of the worst one of the worst moments in the film, I think, only because of how like, saccharine and stereotypical it is, is a conversation that they have literally in the pouring rain outside the car. <laughs> yeah. When- So, um, this is towards the end of the it movie. It reaches ahead, yeah. If
1: so, you like, care about spoilers, this is your warning. Uh Yeah, I
0: don't know if it's a spoiler, but anyway, yes. Whatever, it's at the end maybe. of the movie. yeah, sure. Yeah. And um, there's this confrontation where Tony's basically like, I grew up in the Bronx, I'm way more black than you, and- um Don is just like, well he gets really frustrated and angry and he basically says like I was raised by bourgeoisie people playing the piano for them and I, I they consider me cultured when I'm up on stage playing the piano in front of them and then as soon as I step down off the stage I'm uncultured yeah I, I, I that they, they have, that is, their culture is the culture of racism, which was like the closest this film got to actual like gritty yeah, analysis. And I definitely think that's but a, then that's what a happens afterwards is like he's standing in the rain and he's yelling at this guy, he's like, I'm not white enough, I'm not black enough, I'm not straight enough It's like spoiler alert, yes yeah. he's gay as well. Um and it was just kind of like, yeah, okay, I get that. That's the like, that's the whole film summed up in like twenty five words. Is like, but I would have wanted to see that throughout isn't... the rest of the film, right? And I, it's not
1: there. I think that was the mo- yeah, exactly. I think that was probably the most interesting hint at what the film could have been, mm. because that is a struggle you hear a lot, um, where you have people that like like Obama, for example. People were saying like, oh, Obama's not really black. He's like a, a white black guy. It's like, well, no, you can't. People yeah, he, he
0: defines that. Sorry, buddy.
1: He, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, you get racist people criticizing even the president. You're saying he's not black. You're saying he's not white. So, like, what is he? And so you have definitely have a, a common issue of, like, belonging. Mm. Not belonging to one culture or another that you definitely get the sense of today. And I think that would have been really interesting if it was explored in the film. But it really wasn't. You're right. It was sort of just tacked on and... He sort well, of it was, shouts it for, like, a sentence yeah. in the rain right at the end of the film. And then the characters completely forget about it and they go on their journey. Yeah. Like, it was this turning conflict in the film where, like, Viggo Mortensen says one too many fucking racist things and, like, pushes his buttons too much. And Don's like, fuck this, I'm leaving, and gets out of the car. And you think, all oh, right, what's going to happen now? It's like, oh, jokes. They get in the car without resolving the argument and just keep going.
0: Yeah, or like Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's sort of just like...
1: And they don't talk about Viggo it. Viggo
0: Mortensen's, like, s- sort of... un unexplicitly like, hey, sorry for that thing that I said that was pretty racist and insensitive. Yeah. And like...
1: But I think you're right. They don't explain why. It's like, it's another thing where the film doesn't
0: really address... It represents it. But uh, again, this is a thing that that happens a lot where it represents the issue but doesn't interact with it or engage with it properly. In the same way
1: as where you find... The scene where you find out that Don is gay is literally just like... Um, him with a dude. One of the other people in the band busts into Tony's room, and was like, "You got to come, Don's in trouble or whatever," yeah. and busts into like, yeah, uh, Don being like handcuffed to another guy, and the cops like, "We caught him being gay." Yeah, and Don's and- like, "It's cool, man. I don't care if you're gay." And that's the last time they mention. Yeah,
0: and and like th- there is some, there is some, some trending towards engaging with the issue where, like, the way that that... So the way that that situation is resolved is that um, Tony bribes the cops to let them go... And then Don's angry at him because bribing the cops is a way of rewarding them for their behavior, yeah. which is a kind of actually an interesting perspective on it. And it's like, well, how else would you have resolved the situation? Because in this way, Tony's kind of right that you they weren't going to let you go if that didn't happen. And actually, yeah. that was probably the best way out of the situation. But it also did reward their behavior. And so, it's a bit of a catch-22 where it's like, how do you how do you navigate that situation where you're being oppressed without having to further kind of oppress yourself by having to give up you know yeah finances well,
1: and, and there were several scenes in that where, where don is like why why couldn't you have just got me out of it without bribing and it's like come on man you've got two and then PhDs. He also, what yeah, do you mean you don't, exactly. you don't see There's that no that's literally not it. possible right and um so he's like the smart guy but also totally but the, dumb the dumb guy, guy when guy, the white guy needs to step in and take charge yeah
0: and i think that one of the one of the things that um, this film is close to having an interesting representation of is this idea of being on the, very, being on the front lines of cultural change and how people who are w- doing work in the space of, of kind of breaking down racism or breaking down sexism or like um, breaking down this oppression of colonialism and, and um, oppressive culture that results from that imperialism they become displaced from their own culture, as well as being alienated from um,
1: the the culture that's oppressing them. Well, so, like, so that's, that's for what example, Don says in the rain, he says, "Like, well, I'm not black yeah, enough, but I'm not white and enough." And it's actually what, cult- what culture do I belong exactly, to? Is so it like, none?
0: That's inferior. There's this common, for, for example, there's this common um, narrative that you that you hear a lot of the time in when you when you're looking at um, oppressed people. Uh, in this particular circumstance, I'm thinking of um, black people who are oppressed by white culture, either yeah. in like America or Australia or or, 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 or whatever. Things, yeah. Where um, following the the colonial processes and and um, engaging more in uh, culture, even when it's kind of beneficial to them in some ways, like for instance, going to school, getting an education, um, doing a uh, or pursuing a career path that's kind of middle or upper class is acting white instead of being black, you know. Yeah. And it's this it's this idea of like the more that you try and escape your class and race oppression, the more that you are losing your identity of that oppressed class or race. Right. And so that would that which w- which is a really interesting idea and something that's very difficult that a lot of people experience even or not even a lot of people experience it today. And I think that this film only ever skims the surface of talking about that yeah. And basically never actually reflects it in any meaningful so way. So that would
1: have been a fantastic thing to make the film have a lot more depth, and that's exactly yeah. what I was sort of saying before when you mentioned this scene in The Rain where he says, like, what culture am I? That they sort of scream at the end. That sentiment is the only real time that's mentioned in the yeah. whole film, and it could have been addressed and depicted the whole way through the film, but it's really just not.
0: I think, it, I think they're trying to, but that it's just so corny... And so cliched that it actually isn't making you think about that issue in any meaningful way. No. So, you're just able to kind of dismiss it as being like, yeah, 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 cartoony racism. Yeah. And then it it doesn't do any of the work that it's purporting to do. So... Yeah. Well... uh, Yeah. I mean, I think, as as I said, I don't really have too much else to say about this. I also feel the need to caveat this by saying like we have involved the voices of no people of colour in discussing this film. I imagine that it's a lot more frustrated and it's coming under a lot more criticism from people of colour who are um, angered by the depiction of, like, the almost casual depiction of overcoming racism that this film has. And I think that's a very reasonable perspective. Yeah. Um, But, like, as I said before, I think that that's something that... Um, I hadn't really considered until I brought it up which is the idea that things in this film wouldn't resound poorly with us that would resound poorly with people who had experienced real oppression yeah Um, and so yeah I I think that like just as an important caveat like we don't we can try and engage with this but we're not kind of Trying to represent, yeah.
1: voices well, that aren't ours. And so there's a really interesting article here on Vice, written by Noel Ransom, who identifies. Well, we're not talking about Vice, mate.
0: We're actually talking about Green Book. So if you <laughs> could Fart. pull up an article on Green Book, that's a much
1: better. Right. No, sorry. I should. I'll show that. Let me. Let me just pull Vice up this. Is, art- Vice is a,
0: a different Best Picture nominated <laughs> right. film this year. Um, so this, Christian <laughs> Bale and- this
1: this dude Noel has reviewed Green Book, and he identifies as black, right. and he says. Uh, And he's sort of talking about the film. The article's titled, Green Book is Another Unneeded White People's Guide to Racism. He says, interestingly enough, it's been been a recurring theme for white audiences to treat racial confrontation in a certain way, as if they're a passenger. It's natural, and it's as automatic as it is instinctual to become the Miss Daisies of their own, choosing the destination, where to turn, look, and go in retreat from actual injustices. It's what happens when I see the driving Miss Daisies of the world. Uh, minus black voices articulating experiences like my own coding everything with soft edge genteel themes for populaces deep in that post-racial fuck shit (laughs) Sitting while watching audiences laugh and taking in the Green Book felt like another degree of condescension for the self-congratulatory, Trump-condemning, color bl- colorblind viewer who consumes their racism with a side of mayo. And speaking as a black viewer, I don't have time for it. Early on in Green Book, we're presented with a wishy-washy idea of intolerance in 1962 America. Think the standard racism and segregation that would have made tr- a trip for a wealthy, educated black man of the Deep South deadly. Within that mix, audiences meet these characters. Um, Tony's so disgusted by blackness that he can't stand the the idea of sharing a drinking glass with these black construction workers. But still, 20 minutes in, he's agreeing to guard and drive a black piano player down south without issue because our racist white man must also be likable. Mm. Um, and so he just talks about the idea that the racism in the film is presented in a very palatable, right. self-congratulatory kind of way, where, at the end, like, for example, right at the end of the film, um, several times they've sort of had problems with white people, and there's like there are cops that sort of pulled them over and made them stand in the rain and sort of harassed them in because he's black and had all these but problems in with jail. Police. But right at the very end of the film, the film ends with like a happy bit where like an, a, another cop pulls them over and he's like, oh, fucking cops. And the cop's like, hey, how you doing, fellas? Just wanted to let you know your your tire's busted. Want me to give you a hand at changing that tire? Yeah. And it's like a And it's almost hashtag- ridiculing
0: people who think that that cop would have been racist. You know, it's like, it's almost like yeah. of course this, this like, of course not all cops are racist. Maybe yeah. you're the racist one for thinking that this cop would have been racist.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it's like, I mean, I get the sentiment they're going for, but at mm. the same time, it's like, oh, come on, man. Time and a place. Like, yeah. Sh- they've just, Find a different way to say they've that. They've just had two months of being in the South, actually being like beaten up and racially vilified, yeah. and you decide to end your film with a nice, neat little bow. It's like, nah, but there are some good white people, too. Yeah. It's like, yeah, fine. We know there are good white people. Is this really the film for that?
0: Um, also, that's false. There are no good white people. <laughs>
1: So, Um, another inaccuracy in this film. Yeah, speaking as an expert on white people ourselves. Um, All in all, though, I thought it was a fun, entertaining film. I enjoyed watching it. The performances were great. Viggo Mortensen was really fun and funny to watch. Mm. He played this sort of hammy Italian guy that was, I mean, for better or for worse, for worse, uh, quite likable. I think that... I enjoyed the film. All the music was really great. I loved all the jazzy piano. There was that scene in the bar where he plays, like, the. After Tony teaches him what the blues is, he goes into this blues bar and, like, plays rock and roll piano and sort of slowly figures it out as the band join in around him. And it's good fun. Um, I just. Yeah. yeah. Talking about it with you now and reading articles later makes me realize that it would have been quite easy to have the scenes that are interspersed throughout the, the fun comedy that are about racism to form a sort of cohesive theme and narrative that would have main, meant, meant his sort of breakdown who am I really speech at the end would have meant something. As opposed to it yeah. being like the first time we are like, well, where's this coming I from? I think
0: you need to really like, uh, n- not you, sorry. I think <laughs> I think this film needs to uh, completely overhaul its depictions of, of racism. Like the Vice Reviewer, Noel says, I think that- like, the, all of the racism in this film needs to be unpalatable, you know, and and not, um, unless you're making a commentary on that, which, well, which like the is not. Well, obviously, like, the racism itself sucks.
1: It's just the idea that, like... But the way this, that it's like, presented... Sorry, it's doesn't. just how the rules are. Yeah, the way that shit. it's presented doesn't. Yeah.
0: Even, like, um, you know, this guy... So, there's one. there was one scene where I felt like they could have gone a lot harder on it, where it's right at the, the last performance on the tour, where the... um maitre d' of the restaurant is like you can't eat here and they're kind of like well then i'm not performing and that guy just is not dragged through the dirt nearly enough no because he's sort of just like it's it's vaguely alluded to that maybe he makes a scene and a fuss and is embarrassed but like most of the people in that room would have probably thought it ridiculous for a black person to eat in the same room as them and that's just not confronted at all so like really, they you know, they yeah. choose the high road, but then we don't actually see the consequences of that at all, other than yeah. that they go to this jazz bar and end up having a good time. And
1: so the, the out- worst you the get is that like the maitre d' just seems a bit
0: simpery and a bit yeah. like pathetic. And the <laughs> outcome of that is like that they still have to settle for going and performing somewhere that they didn't originally want to go. It turns out to be okay, but the yeah. point is that like that that the racism stays where it was, yeah, you know, and is unchallenged still. So. It's it's not even it's not even alluded to the idea that all of the people in the original large restaurant where he was going to play reconsider their perspectives on it and think hmm maybe we shouldn't have been racists yeah you know, that doesn't happen at all it's yeah. just they just leave it I mean maybe so, that would never have happened in a culture like
1: that that those white people that live in no fucking but Alabama I mean eventually down.
0: but but then but then you have to figure out a way to criticize that. As a film, and I think this yeah. film just doesn't. So, yeah. I, I I think just that, that idea of, like, as you say, you know, there was... The guy was portrayed as a bit simpering, and the film goes, eh, okay, we get it. Like, yeah. yeah, he's the bad dude. Okay, now that we've done away with, like, hand-waving away that racism, Let's we can get on with the, the fun time of yeah. the bar. And I think that's just really shit. So, like, I have trouble saying that I enjoyed this film, because now... I don't think I enjoyed this film. <laughs> yeah, but, but there were parts funny, though, of the right? script that were Coming funny.
1: out, watching the credits, I was like, that was great. Yeah,
0: I, but I think, again...
1: I think if I people would, go they'll have fun with it, you're just, you're just not going to dig the fact that they kind of brush over all the racist bits. But I think that is a failing on
0: the part of the audience. Yeah. And a failing on I the part I think it's of a failing
1: part part. on the part of the filmmaker. I definitely Both. agree with you. The film's called Green Book. The film is supposed to be about racism in America and it doesn't really nail it. But
0: if we went in with an educated perspective on racism, which experiencing racism is a good education right. on yeah. it no you're right it I think that we, been like, we, we probably wouldn't have enjoyed it um, so I think the only reason that people well maybe not the only reason but I think a core reason why people are able to enjoy this film is that they haven't experienced racism it's like
1: a, right it's like a film for white people
0: yeah I think what well, you know that's what this yeah. guy's saying white people's guide to racism I think that's probably what this film is probably, and it's yeah. disappointing that it's Oscar nominated and that it's so many it, that it's receiving such praise because I think that's actually doing backwards cultural work Yeah. where you know people are told that this kind of thing should be encouraged and that this is a good well, representation. Uh, Whereas, actually, like, no, Black yeah. Klansman well, is the kind of film that should be encouraged, where it's yeah. telling you, like, hey, those things you do and that thing that you think is
1: finished. Yeah. Like, I even think with Black Landsman. I even think even without the sort of epilogue at the end of Black Clansman, Black Clansman does a better job. Still of does a better job. Yeah. yeah so I think better. that when you look at Black Landsman, you have to sort of look at it without that epilogue at the end. Yeah. To sort of really see how the characters are dealt with in the and film. And it was just
0: as funny and just as well w- way better written than this one was. So I think yeah. like uh, yeah on on the whole like yeah I agree yeah man um this is definitely uh a ham fisted way of of trying to go about navigating right, this okay. issue.
1: I for one. Uh, I, for once, have worked out a good, better than, worse than for this. I okay, was sort of thinking about odd couple films. I was thinking about the sort of street smart guy learns from the academic guy and vice versa. And yeah. I thought that this film most reminded me of the acclaimed French film, The, the Untouchables.
0: Oh, okay. I haven't, haven't seen it.
1: Oh, it's so good. It's like the most pro- profitable, most popular French film of all time. It's really I, good. I've heard of it. It's yeah, for sure. um. I would say this film was worse than the Untouchables. The right. Untouchables and better than Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, sure. Um yeah. Best all of which are fun. It sits in that this nice sweet spot where it's definitely somewhat less wishy-washy and just mm. sort of popcorn fodder than Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. But I definitely think the Untouchables tackles these themes and this less racial themes in the film, but it definitely right. sort of tackles these sort of class struggle type things a lot better. And it's still tons of fun. It still has great to- lots of great music. Um, so I, w-
0: I won't go into it too much, but um, because we talked a lot more about the racism than the classist
1: yeah. themes in this movie, and that it, d-
0: it does also have a lot of classist themes. It's one. Of, I feel like it's one of the ways that it actually guards against its poor depiction of racism is that yeah. it's it's like, yeah, but the black guy's upper class and sometimes he <laughs> doesn't get the plight of the yeah. the, the proletariat. So, um I think that uh, it does some sort of interesting stuff around the idea of class and language yeah. in particular, because of the way that Viggo Mortensen speaks, um, and an assumption that speaking in a, in a more upper class way is better objectively. Yeah. But I think a film that does a better job of that type of thing and the relationship between someone that's lower and upper class is um, *Goodwill Hunting*, where yeah. you, you have this, um, you know, this professor and. Uh, um, a sort of street smart worker um, or working class guy, and they have to kind of learn from each other. Learn from each other. No, that's fair.
1: That, that's quite a good. That's quite a good. Yeah, that's so quite that's a good comparison.
0: Obviously, totally lacking in in any kind of like racial confrontation. But thematically but
1: and, and sort of in terms of drawing a. Drawing a, a common thread that listeners will be able to yeah. get an impression of what For our film For a better film, film
0: that deals with class struggle. Yeah. Um, yeah, Goodwill Hunting is, is, is a much better Great. film. So,
1: Beef Station, better than worse this week, then is. Uh, Green Book is better than Best, Best Exotic, Exotic Marigold Hotel, and it's worse than Goodwill Hunting and The Untouchables. Yeah. Great. Hope you enjoyed our coverage of Green Book. Mm. Uh, I
0: don't think it's really worth people's time. No, I think it was fun. I, I, mean, I, I think
1: I convinced myself it wasn't as good as. It wasn't as good as I thought it was at the time, but I think it was. You're not going to be upset if you go and see it, unless
0: you're a person of colour, potentially. But like, (laughs) uh, but, but, or, or or maybe someone that you know is is a little more educated going into this than than we were. But yeah. but I, I don't know. I, I skip it and go see something better, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, I thought that the depiction of the period... I know we're trying to wrap it up, but I thought the depiction mm. of the period was good. I always love seeing all the old cars and all the old buildings and things. and It looked like it was filmed in 60s New York. Yeah. I thought the depiction of period was really good. I thought the performances were very good. And I thought the jokes were funny and mm. the music was fun. It's yeah. just that... Thematic, I, I, thematically for, re- for reasons that I don't want to harp on about for the 40th time I'd I consider most of
0: those to be pretty like lower tier pretty things about, yeah, but yeah exactly yeah. and also I think that as I said cinematographically this film was so vanilla that I just didn't really enjoy it. there was nothing interesting about the way that it was filmed yeah so I, th- I, I think I the think music was a
1: big drawing card for me I thought it was cool
0: yeah 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 okay yeah.
1: whatever should, yeah. We move, should we move on to the news <laughs> yeah sure beef bulletin ready boy yep Got some quick headlines for you here. Uh, the next Christopher Nolan film has a release date. Oh, okay. His new film's going to be coming out in July of 2020. Do we know what we that's about? don't really know anything else about it. It says it's been described as an event film, but I literally don't know what that means. Like, what? It's going to be a notable occasion when it comes out? Is it about a specific event? I don't, like, I, I literally don't understand how that phrase gives me any more information.
0: I would assume that that means it's something like. or like a natural disaster or some sort of like it's it centers around it's not so like batman isn't an event film it's a character film
1: okay fine and like dunkirk is an event film
0: yeah in a way okay fine right something
1: happens in the new christopher
0: (laughs) nolan film well i think it's it it centers around one like a particular event which probably doesn't span a lot of time and probably depicts a lot of characters interactions around that event
1: yeah, okay. Well, no, but there you go. I love Christopher Nolan. He's one of my favourite directors of all time. Mm. Looking forward to 2020 when the new film comes out. Yeah, I'm interested to see what that square-headed fuck does. <laughs> Famously and really very recently found out how fucked <laughs> he looks. Oh, my I think God. I think he's a handsome man. I think he That's should right.
0: direct the next Lego movie because he can do it from first-hand experience. <laughs> um, alright. So he's uh, actually a Lego man because his head is shaped like a Lego person's head. Yeah, no, I got it. Thanks. Yeah, good.
1: Um... I, I guess I just forgot to laugh at that one. Yeah, Sorry. It didn't boy. land. Yeah, it's alright. All right. In movie news that's going to excite my boy here, Nicholas Hoult has been cast as JRR Tolkien in a new film <laughs> as uh, about JRR Tolkien. What? Yeah. Really? Uh, Does he look anything like him? I have no idea. He's going to be in this sort of biopic that focuses on the formative years of the author, exploring his friendship with a group of fellow mis- misfits at school extending his w- into his experiences w- uh, in World War One, where his uh, where the horrors of trench warfare inspired his bleak vision of Middle Earth. Jesus. Yeah. Um, i trying will- to find
0: photos of like a young J.R.R. Tolkien, but they're all... Yeah, well, I don't policy. really know
1: anything about him, so it'll be interesting to see, I imagine. Um, I'd, be- I'd look forward to seeing some sort of <laughs> hammy, uh, cheeky kind of references to Lord of the Rings. What do you, what do you think of this? Do you reckon- I'm looking at a reasonably
0: young photo of Tolkien next to a photo of. Hult.
1: I mean, considering the I fact don't... that no one knows what J. Uh, what uh, J.R. Tolkien actually looks like, it probably doesn't matter. I mean, I, yeah. he's got a notable chin, and they're both white. We're fine, you
0: know. That's not a that's not a particularly good one. No, but Let's... he's not famous for what he looks like, so we're fine. But Nicholas Holt is, and I think that might distract from the fact that I'm watching a movie about Tolkien. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) you'd want someone that you don't know that. Yeah, I think so. But also, I love Tolkien, so I'll watch it. Right. Um, (laughs) I mean, I love
1: Holt. Okay. Um, As promised, I'd keep you updated on all Detective Pikachu-related news. Fuck yeah. Uh, (laughs) Detective Pikachu 2 is already in the works. Detective Pikachu. (laughs) (laughs) Detective Pikachu. Oh, my God. No, no. Pikachu. Two. If it's not called Detective Raichu, I'm gonna quit. Fuck. Um, <laughs> um, it's gonna be written. Oh, the only news I have here is that it's gonna be written by um, Oren Ertseil. Uh All oh. we know about him is that he wrote Twenty Two Jump Street and the Mortal Kombat TV series. Well, Twenty Two Jump Street is <laughs> fucking great. Yeah. So. so I mean, that'll that'll be good. Hopefully, I hope mm. Detective Pikachu one is good. It's the hot. Is most it the same guy the first one? Oh, I'm not sure. I can't be fucked to look it up. I'm not sure. No idea. While you're doing that. Gonna be on another headline, boy. Yep. Sorry, the beef station, beef bulletin rolls on. Oscar Isaac and Javier Bardem have both been cast in the new Dune film.
0: Yeah, I am. And they've actually been named for which characters they'll be.
1: Um, uh, yeah, they have. I don't, I don't remember any of these characters. So, uh,
0: oh, who was the fucking first guy?
1: Oscar Isaac.
0: Okay, so Oscar Isaac plays um, Duke Leto Atreides, who is like oh, the... oh cool. He, he, that's who
1: I would have picked to play. Well, he's the he's Duke he, Leto the Atreides.
0: The main character is his son Paul, but he right. plays the leader of this and like the patriarch of this incredibly powerful house. He's basically king. Cool. So great. It, it, imagine well, that the well, story centers around a prince. He's gonna play the king. So very important character, probably really good, but I would say who they've cast as Paul is gonna be the big, like, kind of draw card.
1: Great, cool. Harvey Badim is playing uh, Stilgar again? No idea what that is. Okay. Don't want to hear about the plot of Dune at the moment. I but, feel you know, like he's one of the Dune people. <laughs> one of the people of Arrakis. Uh, exciting news for Beatles fans out there. Oscar, listen up. Peter Jackson has signed on Literally. to m- <laughs> yeah. Peter Jackson has signed on to make a new Beatles film out of unseen Let It Be footage. All right, take a seat for a moment. Right. So, um, the Beatles did Sgt. Pepper, huge critical acclaim. They did the White Album, which was famously a double album. All this material on it, no one could agree on whose songs to cut, so that's why it was kind of this big bloated mess with all this different kind of tonal stuff on it. Right. Um, the Beatles started to fucking hate each other and sort of started to hate how overproduced their music had become and like how much they have been focused on being in the studio forever. Um tailoring all these songs perfectly so they're like all right fuck it we just have to get back to our roots just be a band again man so they decided that they would want to uh, do like a live album and so right. they would have like they'd write all these new songs and they'd have a live album that was uh, completely live recorded set of new songs and they would have this amazing concert somewhere. Maybe it would be a TV special and they'd perform at the Albert Hall. or they, And they got really ambitious with it. They were like, oh, maybe we'll like perform in front of the Great Pyramids of Giza and that'll be our great premiere. Maybe we'll perform on top of the QE2 in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. It was a high concept thing. But ultimately what they ended up doing was being in this uh, – they used like a film soundstage as their studio. Right. For like months and months and months. And all the tapes of that exist. And they re- they fil- videoed themselves rehearsing and writing new music. for, And there's like 55 hours of footage that's like sitting on a shelf that no one's ever used. Mm. And there's like months and months and months of audio tape of the Beatles just fucking around in the studio. that No one's ever really sort of properly gone through in any meaningful professional way. Right. So that came out as a documentary that went for 45 minutes back in 1970 that won an Academy Award for Best Soundtrack. Uh, And that documentary has never really properly been re-released since LaserDisc because it kind of shows them arguing and being dicks to each other in a way that the surviving Beatles and Beatles widows don't really want to release. Mm. Um, And there's 55 hours of footage that no one's ever seen. So the announcement here is that they're going to make a new Let It Be movie out of all this old footage. It'll be really interesting to see because it's this window of time where they were recorded a lot on video and the Beatles aren't often recorded on video in the studio. Yeah. Um, and it's footage that no one's ever seen, and mm. it'll be a cut. Peter Jackson recently did a fantastic job with that World War One documentary where he went back and restored old colourised World it, War yeah. One co- film and colorized it. So this could potentially look fantastic in all HD and everything. I'm really excited for it. Um, there's no release date or anything, but it's been announced now because just this week just was... are just going to mail it to your house. Yeah, thanks. Just this week Debbie was the 50th anniversary of the Beatles rooftop concert, which is what all that culminated in ultimately. Right. <laughs> which is the most Beatles shit. You hear a lot of stories from... I hear a lot of stories <laughs> but back in the day where they have all these ambitious plans and just end with like, fuck it. Do we just get on the roof and we just play there? Yeah. That's how the Abbey Road cover ended up being. I think maybe Abbey Road, they wanted to have a photo on Mount Everest or some shit. And yeah, they did all this like, stuff. They're like, let's just take it out. Let's street. just cross the road outside. <laughs> um, so that's Beatles news for the week. I'll be sure to keep you updated on every Skerik information we get on that. Just jumping back for two seconds, yep. by the way.
0: Uh the 2019 Pokemon Detective Pikachu film yep. is being written by director Rob Letterman, who directed Shark Tale, just as a reminder, and also <laughs> Nicole Perlman, who, uh, as far as I can tell, no relation to Ron Perlman, <laughs> but uh, best known for writing the original script of the Guardians of the Galaxy film. Oh, shit. After two years of researching and writing most of the original before James Gunn came on of the project.
1: Right. Well, James Gunn, I don't know how much he made it good or different or whatever but that was a good film well
0: yeah I mean if it was it was very well written so hopefully (laughs) hopefully she manages to pull the same thing out of once again Detective <laughs> Pikachu. Pikachu. <laughs> I'm
1: so looking forward to that. It's, it's to so lo- the phrase is
0: losing meaning. <laughs> yeah. Once again, you remember what Pikachu was? Like the the now- electric mouse companion that followed you around in the first fucking Pokemon game? <laughs> this is now a major motion picture with fully scripted lines Boys played by Ryan, Ryan, Reynolds. Ryan fucking Reynolds <laughs> playing that electric
1: mouse as a detective. Pika Pika. Oh, man. Um... <laughs> In more July 2020 news, Ghostbusters 3 is going to be released in July 2020. Excited for Ghostbusters 3? Ghostbusters 1 is good. This is directed by Ghostbusters 1's son. Son of the director. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Jeff Bridges posted a video on his Instagram of him in the full The Dude get-up from The Big Lebowski, with a date being like, coming on this date? It's probably not a Big Lebowski remake. He's probably in a Super Bowl commercial as the dude. Oh, God, Um, that's so fucking... So, we'll find out. So, it's either some sort of secret Big Lebowski sequel, or it's a... Definitely a Super Bowl ad. Yeah. But we'll find out in a couple days. I think it might already be out by the time this episode airs. Still never seen either Ghostbusters or The Big Lebowski. Yeah, right. And finally, in news that no one asked for or needed, (laughs) Zac Efron says the new Ted Bundy biopic movie is not a celebration or glorification of Ted Bundy. Oh,
0: yeah, no, this fucking...
1: this blew up on
0: twitter <laughs> like, like
1: someone asked like sorry zach have you been in a movie that glorifies a serial killer have you seen the life? trailer <laughs> no it does does it
0: yeah he's right, played okay. as like a super there's like it's like fun rock and roll music going over the top while he's talking to people and lying and like he's having this conversation <laughs> with oh, for fuck's sake. he's having this conversation with his wife or like one of his partners about like right um where she's like did you do it? And he's like, "Of course, I didn't do it." And then, like, the rock music cuts, and he's like dragging his body through the woods. And then the rock music picks back up again, and he's like in front of a jury and whatever. It's 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 a it's a weird tone, right? Okay. It's like a Tarantino <laughs> okay, tone for okay. something where like the victims of or the families of victims are still alive,
1: right? Okay, well then ma- so maybe I- <laughs> maybe this was a necessary clarification, but also uh, I think. Maybe
0: just not true. Like whether or not he says it's a celebration is not whether or not it's a celebration. So yeah, we got to wait and see until and he said he did. He
1: out. said he did a lot of research and he said, "quote I felt a responsibility to make sure that his uh, that this movie was not a celebration of Ted Bundy or a glorification of him, but uh, definitely a psychological study of who this person was. In fact, there's honest in, in that. There's honesty. Right. So." I don't know. I didn't even know that was coming out. I'll be excited to see
0: it. No, and I feel like that doesn't bode particularly well for it because I think if they had, if they were super proud of it and not just relying on it being like the subject matter that it is, then um, yeah. Also, Zach Efron is a very generous cast for Ted Bundy because people always talk about how like charismatic and attractive he is. But I saw someone (laughs) comparing him to the seal from Finding Dory, and I think that's pretty accurate.
1: Well, apparently they asked the seal from finding Dory, but it's, he said no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I think that's all we've got for the beef bulletin this week, just to keep you fed on all the latest movie news and hot goss.
0: Keep you little little roundels plump with all <laughs> your 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 news food.
1: Yeah. Oh no, I did see one other thing where um, Duncan Jones came out and said that this new David Bowie biopic that's coming out Stardust neither has his family's blessing. Uh, nor has any rights for any David Bowie music, so. Oh, cool! Who's seen that?
0: Well, I'll be sure to give that one a miss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a heads up for you listeners. <laughs> Don't bother.
1: Yeah. Like, so what is that going to be? Is it going to be lots of weird pastiche David Bowie stuff? <laughs> it's going to be. <laughs>
0: All of the David Bowie soundtrack is gonna be incidental diegetic film where they're walking past stereos <laughs> constantly that are playing the music and they're just like, uh, oh, this is just what was on. Like, we could featuring, couldn't really featuring
1: it. such hits like Piggy Star Trust <laughs> Like what's gonna Like imagine how weird it would have been if the if the Bohemian Rhapsody movie had no queen, no queen music, music yeah. and it, man, it, it'll that was both an authorized biopic with music rights and it was great. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's just such
0: a- I don't really know how that one's going to go <laughs> We'll find out Maybe not
1: great Yeah. Right. Thanks for joining us for another week of Beef Station As always, you can email us if you want to get in contact with the show Beefstationpod at gmail.com Come like us on Facebook and we'll keep you updated with all the new apps Facebook.com slash Beefstationpod Have you got anything else, boy? Yeah,
0: just while you're doing the wrap-up, actually yeah? So, a while back, I put a poll up on the Facebook page Oh, is it time to address um, that
1: now that we've got 20 votes? <laughs> yeah, we do actually
0: have about that many votes uh fourteen votes, and <laughs> yeah, um, but there was actually a decent range of films. The
1: Beef Station juggernaut ticks on. So,
0: Sicario, Day of the Soldado. Which one of you dickheads voted for that? <laughs> <'Cause-> <laughs> Pat, Pat, get off yeah, our poll. Fucking! <laughs> I should have banned Pat's IP from this shit. <laughs> um, so, Black Clansman with one vote. Uh, Bad Times at the El Royale with one vote. Get over to the top of the list, boy. Yeah. Uh, Isle of Dogs with two... No, start reading
1: from the top of the list. I don't want to hear about two votes. We're
0: we're moving on up. Stop interrupting. You're ruining (laughs) the flow of the list. Uh, Isle of Dogs with two... Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse with two... Sorry to Bother You came in second with three votes. (laughs) Oh, for fuck's sake. And the winner... Three billboards. Hey! with, With... Four of our dumbass listeners voting for that.
1: Vote. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so actually, I think not a bad list. So the winner with four votes. Yeah, well, <laughs> we needed needed more engagement. Actually, having half of our listener base ish vote is, is, is not bad. Or so. whatever,
1: or whatever. Having look, having only ten percent of our listeners vote was a bit of a letdown. <laughs> um, look, at this. Having only one one thousandth of our listener base vote. Share
0: this podcast with your friends. Yeah,
1: please. I we're, think it's um, fun. If you think
0: now that sh- we're so, uh, this is a conversation that could happen off air. Yeah, no. but, look, um, we've
1: got a back catalogue of episodes. They're all good. A lot of them, some of them are good. Share this podcast with your friends. Get more people listening. But also, like-
0: we're, we're going to play around with the format a little bit and introduce some new segments and stuff. So, I mean, we
1: keep saying that we keep not introducing segments. Uh, I've,
0: I've got some. I've got some shit written down.
1: Come like us on Facebook. Review us on iTunes. All that fun stuff. Yeah,
0: uh, at Beef Station Pod is basically everything. Thanks for joining us. I'm Oscar. Andrew. <laughs> See you later. So long love. <laughs> <laughs> <Island. laughs>